The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on July 12th, 2023. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Carter Bird, and you've got us for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. It's a gorgeous day once again. Hot as everything, but it's July, and it's supposed to be that way as we are 52 days away from the start of Auburn football less than that for the start of college football and we are just a few days away from SEC media day starting next week in Nashville Uh, we are excited because we will be having seven our normal seven straight hours of local sports talk radio will be coming to you live from Nashville at SEC media days yeah not yeah we'll have some there some here Uh, we will have uh, Doug Amos from the Max Roundtable will be there Uh, his show obviously from 11 to 2 uh, i will be there representing on the line from 2 to 4 carter will be here holding down uh, the studio for us and then dan of the drive dan peck will be there and bill will be here holding down the studio next week for the drive so excited to bring that to you how uh, we're excited to uh, to go and, and to hopefully bring really really good coverage and content for you uh, and you just never know who's going to stop by the table at sec media day so keep it, that in mind we are uh, just a couple of days away from that and that is the unofficial start to college football season that's when everybody really starts getting excited about college football so we'll talk some college football today to start the show though uh, we'll start talking some Auburn baseball because we have yet to talk about the guys that got drafted uh, the current players and a couple of signees uh, and commits that were drafted the other day and so we'll talk about those guys and, and what we know as of this moment of who's actually going to stay at Auburn who's going to go uh, so we'll talk about that we have question of the day then excited because we have Jordan Hill back on the program today of Dogs 247 uh, we took a few weeks off there in the summer where there wasn't a ton going on but picking him back up now and we'll continue to have him once a week uh, throughout football season and basketball so excited to have Jordan Hill back on the program that'll be 2:30 today of Dogs 247 talking all things Georgia athletics then coming up in hour number two people keep dropping their quarterback rankings and we're going to keep telling them why they are wrong about a lot of different quarterbacks in this conference so we'll talk about that in hour two plus Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us at 3 30 so very busy show today uh, until then though phone lines are open give us a call we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines 334-321-1390 Carter let's start the day as I mentioned talking Auburn baseball and the guys that were drafted in the 2023 MLB draft. You have three current players and five signees that were drafted uh, in uh, the draft that was taken that took place just the other day a couple mm-hmm. of significant names that were not drafted that are still up in the air on what they are going to decide to do. Yeah I you you've got your your 
three players draft or your five players drafted and your signees that got drafted uh, as well, or five signees, three players rather. Uh, I think that it's good for the program to see these guys continue to be drafted. Um, it's good for you can say it's a good thing for um, Butch Thompson and this staff and their ability to. Um, evaluate talent that there have so many signees drafted as well uh it'll be interesting to see who signs who comes back i i think cole foster's probably gone uh it'd be a lot to ask him to come back pass up that amount of money uh that i think his slot value is eight hundred twenty thousand dollars, from what i'm reading um i don't think he can really improve that bryson where i don't think he has eligibility anywhere anyway uh but good for him you want to talk about a guy who kind of went through the ringer for years and years and years and grinded out a career and finally has that huge just nuclear breakout season where he's one of the best hitters in the SEC not not just power hitter hitter he goes to the eighth round of the Phillies. Uh, that's great for him, and I think he could be somebody who will have that maturity, has the pop in the bat, is a good defender. It wouldn't shock me to see him climb up through through the ranks. I, I think Cole Foster and Bryson Ware could be guys that we at least see get a cup of coffee in the at the big league level because they're good players. Uh, Chase Isbell, that one's a little bit more surprising to me in the 15th round to the Royals. Um, I don't think he ever took what was a dominant pitcher for Auburn. Um, but, I mean, good for him that he, he was drafted here, uh, the former Sanford transfer. I don't, again, another guy who I'm not entirely positive. I mean, with... The COVID years and everything, it gets really hazy, especially in baseball, um, about who all has that extra year left. I think he technically could come back if he wanted, but it'd be one of those things where would his performance improve enough that his stock would rise high enough? Because he he would not have really any negotiating power right after next year. Because he would be done with his eligibility at the college level. The three guys you have been talking about. Cole Foster, uh, drafted by the San Francisco Giants in the third round. Bryson Ware was then selected by the Philadelphia Phillies in the eighth round. And then the reliever Chase Isbell was taken in the 15th round by the Kansas City Royals uh, with pick 439. Uh, that's the second straight year the Royals have taken a Auburn pitcher, by yep, the way. They took Mason Barnett in the third round last they year. Did. That was Mason Barnett, who always had so much potential. Mm -hmm. His stuff was always there. It just was about, I guess, learning how to pitch, learning how to stay in the zone. And it clicked when Hayden Mullins went down with injury two years ago, right before the postseason. Barnett got thrust into the rotation and emerged as a really, really solid option. He had some of the best postseason outings of any of the Auburn pitchers did on that run to Omaha. I, I, this is encouraging to see these arms continue to get drafted for Auburn. Um, 
I do think it's a one name that you would have thought you might have seen was Joseph Gonzalez. He was not drafted. I think that does a lot for any chance that he might come back to Auburn because he was somebody who, I mean, we talked to people a month ago. I mean, we've we've talked to Lindsey Crosby, and he just didn't see a path for him to come back. Right. Well, when you're not drafted, when you're not drafted high, especially, and then you go through the entire, it becomes a point where, especially in baseball, if you're not drafted high with a high higher slot value and you know your worth and I think Joseph Gonzalez does a team's probably not going to not waste a pick but probably not going to spend a pick on a guy who may not sign Mm -hmm. and once he goes undrafted you got to feel really good about the chances that he could come back and be your Friday night guy for Auburn and if he's back this Auburn pitching staff that was so young last year that came such a long way. We're talking about a group that could be one of the top three, four staffs in the SEC, just considering what everybody else has lost. Right, and you bring back so much if you're Auburn, if everything goes right, and that's the way we can go here before we talk about some of the other guys that were drafted. You mentioned Gonzo already, and how about outfielder Bobby Pierce, who who was not drafted either, and you wonder what his future will hold, um, whether he... Uh, he, he is able to come back to Auburn, and we'll see if he decides to do that same thing with Joseph Gonzalez. And I think if both of those guys were to come back to Auburn, or even just one of them were to come back to Auburn, um, you would see the benefit in that for them and for Auburn, especially mm. a guy like Joseph Gonzalez you mentioned who could be your Friday night guy. And we know how good he is when he is healthy and on his game. Yeah. He is... He is one of those few guys in the SEC that when he steps on the mound, you have the utmost confidence that you are going to get that victory. And what's important about him being the Friday night guy is in conference play, you play Friday, Saturday, Sunday most of the time. And that is where you're wanting to get that gimme victory to start off the series 1-0 and to where you just have to win one game on the actual weekend. And so if Joseph Gonzalez decides to come back, uh, that would be a huge, huge, huge addition for Auburn in the pitching rotation in 2023-2024. You look at Bobby Pierce as an outfielder, experienced guy, didn't get drafted. We know the potential, didn't have his best year, uh, but could come back to Auburn. It would be an experienced guy in the lineup, an experienced guy in the field that you could rely on night in and night out. And so those were two that were not drafted by or for Auburn baseball that I think uh, caught people's eyes. Uh, so then you had the three that were drafted from Auburn baseball. Then you had five others that were coming into Auburn that got drafted. You had three uh, high school recruits that were drafted from uh, major league teams, and then two transfers. Uh, mm-hmm. The you had three members of the signing class. You had Colt Emerson, the shortstop. Uh, you had uh, Bjorn Johnson, the lefty. And you had Kevin McGonigal, the second baseman, who were all taken by major league squads. And it seems like, Carter, they're all going to go and take their talents to professional baseball. I think Auburn's got a chance with with Johnson to potentially come back. But, I mean, who knows? Uh, I think when you look at the the first two, Emerson and McGonigal, 
I think both are gone. Emerson going in the round one, pick 22. I mean, that's $3.5 million you're asking him to pass up on. I don't see that happening. Um, McGonagall, his slot value with the Tigers, $2.31 million. Both of those guys, I think, are gone. It, it was too high. I think you would have had to see Emerson fall to the very end of the first round, out of the first round, and you would have had to see McGonagall be very deep into that second round, maybe into the uh, the the competitive balance part of the second round, mm-hmm. which is which is my favorite part of Major League Baseball because it confuses people every year. They're like, wait, why is the first round 37 picks or something like that? Yep. Well, because they're losing free agents to, to signings elsewhere and they get the competitive balance picks. But, yeah, I mean, I think that you're going to lose both those guys. Johnson, I think you've got a chance. Um, and I think it would be huge if you got him. I don't think Auburn's necessarily hurting for left-handed pitching. You've got guys like Tanner Bauman, uh, Connor Copeland, Zach Crotchfelt, Drew Nelson all coming back next year. And I think that, and that's not even counting what signees will be coming in the door. Um, it's It would be a huge plus to add Johnson to this staff, but I don't think it's going to make or break this Auburn pitching staff at all. You look at the two transfers who were drafted that were coming in for Auburn, which that one... Yeah, Mangelli got drafted. Sam Mangelli, a shortstop from Sacred Heart, who um, I think most people were saying he was going to be a starter when he walked in the door. Um, He was taken in the 10th round by the Dodgers. Um, He is valued at around 165K um, and is expected, according to our good friend Lindsey Crosby, expected to sign that deal uh, in Major League Baseball. Then Dylan Watts, the right-hander from Tacoma uh, Community College uh, from the West Coast of Washington, uh, taken at pick 542 in the 18th round by the Brewers. That's still up in the air on whether he will come or not. And if you remember earlier in the week, uh, I can't remember what day it was, and I believe it was Shane that called in and was asking about about these guys for Auburn, whether the high school recruits or transfer portal yeah. guys that got drafted. And he asked the question, well, is that by design? Or did Butch Thompson and Auburn, are they prepared for that? Or yes. are they kind of in the dark, right? It was a really good question. And we talked about it where Butch Thompson knows and baseball programs know there's always a chance for mm-hmm. this, right? There's always a chance for a high school recruit in baseball to get taken in the MLB draft and decide to sign that deal. And I think that's just part of the recruiting narrative and we're part of the recruiting strategy, if you will, when it comes to college baseball. Like, Coaches know you can lose your guys from high school or even now the transfer portal to Major League Baseball, and you have to be prepared for that. And I think Auburn will be. Yeah, I look, this with the loss of McGonagall and Emerson, those were somewhat expected and planned for. And because of how talented they were. Yes, yeah, yeah. There was always a chance that they could come to campus, depending on how the draft shook out. It did not work out that way for them, unfortunately. Uh, and so, well, I mean, fortunately for them, unfortunately for Auburn. Mongelli was one of the contingencies for those guys, for those guys not being coming to campus. That one's a little bit more of a shocker. 
that one's a little bit more difficult for Auburn to swallow. It's harder to plan for for that when I, I mean I, I really wasn't I hadn't really heard the people we've talked to mention him as a guy that we would expect to see taken that high in the draft and mm-hmm. round ten credit to him. From Sacred Heart, that probably doesn't happen very often. No, I would imagine. no, I would imagine um, it doesn't. And so he's, I mean, he's gonna, he's expected to sign right now. That's a tough blow to Auburn. Auburn's gonna have to go back to the portal and find somebody to fill that spot. Uh, Dylan Watts, we'll see. We'll see. I think 18th round, you've got a decent shot to get him on campus. And you get him on campus, I think that that's huge to. Mm-hmm. We've we just ran through all the left-handed pitching that that Auburn has right now. Um, the right-handed pitching. I mean, you've got um, some some guys like Herber Holes, Cannon, uh, Armstrong, all coming back. I think Isbel might have. I think I mentioned that he has a COVID year that he could negotiate with. Um, potentially Joseph Gonzalez, Chase Alsup, who we saw take off there late. Key shock. You've got these guys that are young. A lot of those are young, but you've got a lot of arms right now on this staff. It's going to be really interesting to see who all ends up on campus when classes start here next month. Also important to note quickly before we go to break, Nate LaRue signed with the Toronto Blue Jays, yes. so he will not be back. Um, so you That's not shocking. Right. You Uh, will have a lot of guys returning, but you're going to see some of these guys go. And if they have the opportunity, whether it's guys who are currently on the roster, high school recruits that were coming in, or even transfers that were coming in, um, if you get that opportunity, if it's the right opportunity, because baseball is different than any other sport when it comes to being drafted, where, yes, with all of the you can opt in, opt out, go or not go, but just getting drafted into Major League Baseball, you're not – it's not like in basketball where the Warriors draft you, you play summer league ball and you're already on the bench when Steph Curry takes the floor. This is baseball where you mm-hmm. could play in the minors your entire career. You may never make it to Major League Baseball. And so you have to make sure you're taking the right deal, taking the right opportunity, and and not jumping at the first option if it's not the best for you. So you have to remember that when it comes to baseball. Um, but did want to note that Nate LaRue did sign with the Toronto Blue Jays. So it's good for Auburn, though. All, all together, Auburn getting guys drafted, whether it's current players, high school recruits, or transfer portal guys, it shows that Butch Thompson and company know how to recruit. They know how to find the best guys. And Auburn will be well represented once again in Major League Baseball. When we come back, question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. It relates to our guest coming up in just a few minutes, Jordan Hill of Dogs247, who will join us at 2.30. Excited to have him back on the program. Um, Carter, does the University of Georgia football program, do they have a speeding problem in your mind? It's bizarre. Like, why, why is this happening so often? It's happening all the time. All the time. I mean, what, this past week we saw Samuel uh, 
Pimba. He was driving 88 and a 55. Uh, senior Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. Um, he, an hour after the, the ticket for Pimba came through, well, he had to go to court to plead guilty to driving 90 in a 45 mm-hmm. uh, from back in May. But, like, it's happening alarmingly often. And there's not another program in college football that has this issue. I don't understand. Right. And you think back to the tragic event in early January yeah. that happened with Georgia football players well, and staff members. Traveling at a very high rate of speed. I mean, and Jalen Carter, it's not even the first incident he's had. He was taking a, a time or two before that driving crazy fast. And this is... Sure, there are isolated events with other programs, but it's just weird that it's a recurring problem for Georgia. And right. Like, I would think you would look at um, you would look at the Henry Ruggs situation that took place in Vegas, mm-hmm. and that would be this cautionary tale. Like Henry Ruggs is going to be in jail for I can't remember exactly how long. At one point in time, he was facing like twenty, at least twenty years, I believe. He's going to be there a long time. I, I, I think it tur- it's going to turn out to be like five to ten or something. Uh, but that should be the cautionary tale. Like you can ruin your career, you can kill someone, and yet it just feels like that for whatever reason that any message like that either has not been sent to the players in Athens. Or it hasn't hit home with them. And it seems to be happening more often. It, it just seems like it's always happening, and it's always happening at Georgia. It's a three uh, three to ten year prison sentence for Henry Ruggs. Interesting. Well, you're right, and that's the example that a lot of people go back to uh, when these things start coming out about Georgia. This is the thought crossed my mind after looking at this. Could we see Henry Ruggs back in the NFL at some point? I mean, realistically, I guess. Surely that not. That would be really interesting to see if somebody takes a risk on that PR when he if he gets out of jail in that three-year sentence. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess technically, right? Technically, he could. Um, I don't think I would. I don't think I'd take that risk. There's no shot. Who says he's even going to be in the the mental or physical state to play football again when he gets out whenever it is, right? I mean, he's he's not – he'd still be a fairly young player. Like, he would would be 27 if he got out in three years. Hmm. Interesting. At 27, like, I don't know. It's just – Random tangent yeah. that popped in my mind when I looked up his sentence. Well, talking about this Georgia stuff, I bring it up because Kirby was asked about it. Kirby Smart, head coach of Georgia football, and he said, quote, I'll be the first to admit we haven't solved that issue or problem, uh, quote, Smart told reporters during a news conference. He said, quote, I don't honestly know that anybody has, but certainly for us, it's important to acknowledge it first. We've had a lot of intervention in terms of talking and visiting, and discipline measures have been implemented in terms of education. We will continue to do that, end quote. Okay, this quote, I don't honestly know that anybody has. What does that mean? Does that mean he doesn't know if any if any program out there has solved the speeding problem? 
because it's not a rampant issue at other programs. So I don't know, like, or is that about his program that nobody has solved that? Because clearly, yeah, like, I like that part of the quote. I'm just, I'm curious what he meant by it. And when you go through more of this article, it's on ESPN if you want to go find it. Yeah, I'm looking um, at the, the AL.com version. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at the ESPN. And Smart starts talking about how they've attempted to educate players at a, quote, deeper level about the cars some of them are driving, talking about how the players are driving super nice new cars, and that is why maybe they're subject to being pulled over. It's like, or you just don't speed. Like, how about you just don't drive like a dummy, and you just drive normal like everybody else and you don't weave in and out of traffic and drive 100 miles an hour in 50 mile an hour zones do you think that in this article dodge is not very happy that their cars get name dropped twice in the article? <laughs> dodge and jeep yeah <laughs> probably not they're probably not super thrilled about that and i'll say this kirby better figure it out because he's got a really good thing going at georgia right now and if he can't discipline his players it'll end very very soon and i'm sure he'll hear a little bit about that next week at sec media days but we'll talk to jordan hill of dogs 247 next about what else kirby could hear about next week in nashville you are on the line with jacob goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins, and it's Jordan Hill on the phone for the first time in a long time of Dogs 247. Uh, Jordan, hope all is well, man. Are you, are you keeping yourself busy this summer over in Athens? Oh, definitely. There's been no shortage of stuff uh, going on. And, uh, you know, next week we'll be in Nashville. And to me, Media Days is always the signal that uh, the season's almost here. So at this point, especially once we get to next week, I mean, the countdown will be on until the season. Well, Jordan, that's where we will go ahead and start our conversation with SEC Media Days coming up next week. Of course, Georgia and Kirby Smart turning, uh, returning as back-to-back national champions. What is the uh, what's the expectation of what he will say and even some of the questions that he might get asked in 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 Nashville next week for SEC media days you know I think a brunt of the conversation is going to be about them being the back-to-back defending national champions so I'm sure that he'll talk about that a good bit and I think you're going to hear a lot of what you heard from him a year ago when uh, we were uh, in Atlanta and he was talking about uh, the team getting ready to defend the championship and Basically, what he talked about was that that year's team had a lot to prove because a lot of the playmakers who were responsible for that championship in the 2021 season had moved on to the NFL. Uh, I think you're going to hear a lot of the same things. It's what we heard at at, uh, spring practice. You know, inherited, uh, not earned was something that Kirby said a lot. So I would put that in everybody's ear. You're probably going to hear that a good bit. Um, And then, you know, I'll be interested to hear what the players have to say. Brock Bowers. I think he's going to get a lot of attention as one of those guys that, you know, I don't think he'll wind up being voted as like the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, but I think he'll get a lot of attention. Uh, be interested to hear what he has to say along with center Cedric Van Pran and corner Kamari Laster. Georgia did give a pretty good group when it comes to quotes um, that will be there in Nashville. and really interested to see what they have to say. Yeah, when you look at Georgia and and being in Nashville for SEC Media Days uh, next week, 
there's been a lot of spotlight on off the field things pertaining to Georgia. How much of that uh, will will be a topic of discussion next week? And how do you expect Georgia and these players to to handle those questions? You know, it'll be really interesting. And uh, Kirby and uh, the athletic director, Josh Brooks, and a few other people in the athletic department held a media briefing on Tuesday. And I'm pretty sure a big part of that was try to get ahead of the attention at media days. Now, is that going to stop people from asking? Uh, I don't think so, and nor should it. I mean, uh, especially national media who weren't. Uh, in Athens, didn't have the opportunity to hear what Kirby had to say on that front. Um, so I think there will be a piece of that. It will be very interesting to see if Kirby basically says, you know, just refer to what was said during that media briefing. You know, I've already handled it. Um, but really, you know, what the players have to say. This will be the first time any of those guys have been talked to since, you know, this um, has really gotten uh, you know, under the microscope and a lot of things have been reported over the last few weeks and months to see really if they say anything at all. You know, I'll, I'll be fascinated just to see how they handle it from that perspective. But I do think it will be talked about. I'm of the belief that Kirby's probably not going to say a whole lot if it's brought up. Uh, probably referred to what was said during that media briefing, but there's no denying that that is going to be talked about, and, and I think it's valid for people to have questions about it and to see what Kirby and the players have to say. Jordan, one thing I was sort of surprised to see when it, when you look at the three players that Georgia is taking to SEC Media Days, Brock Bowers, the tight end, uh, Kamari Lassiter, the deep, defensive back, and then Cedric Van Pran, the uh, offensive lineman, all of them are juniors. Jordan, are you, are you surprised to see maybe no senior representation for the Dogs? Um, not so much. I mean, those are all guys that have contributed, especially you consider a guy like Brock Bowers. Uh, he will not be back for his senior year. I feel very comfortable he'll be off to the NFL. And, um, you know, you think, too, a guy like Cedric Van Pran is coming on his third year of starting. Um, and what kind of surprised me with his inclusion more than anything was he went last year. And I, I sort of thought they may kind of mix it up, but – I think it's a matter of they can trust Cedric. And he really is a big leader on this entire team. Him deciding to come back when there was a real belief he might leave after the 2022 season and go pro. I can see why they did that. So I think on the whole, I wasn't really surprised. And there's not really uh, very many seniors that you would point to and say, well, why wouldn't it be this guy? Or why wouldn't it be that guy? Really the biggest surprise that I thought didn't wind up going is Javon Bullard, who is a safety who, was the defensive MVP of both playoff wins last year. But they may have decided, hey, you know, he did a lot of media after those two games. Maybe we'll let someone else do it. And they could have very well asked Javon, and he might have said, you know, let's, not, let's let my teammate Kamari uh, go have some fun in Nashville. Is there any surprise that Carson Beck was not on the list of, of players to go to media days? Absolutely not, because there's no way that uh, they were going to spend – Either quarterback he or Brock Vandegrift this year. I mean, you know, last year, Stetson was there, but he was entrenched as the starter. I think when in doubt, they do not want to send quarterbacks. And I think that's probably not just Georgia. You know, I'd have to look at a list I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure that there's uh, plenty of other quarterbacks who aren't going to be there. I do believe Spencer Rattler from South Carolina is going to be there, but no, I wasn't shocked at all to see that Carson isn't going to be there. But I guarantee you, especially with Brock and Cedric, he's going to be asked a lot. They're going to ask a lot uh, of questions. Uh, those guys are going to get a lot of questions about Carson and just how he's handled the summer 
as uh, you know, we still really expect that uh, when we get to that UT Martin game, that Carson Beck will be the starting quarterback. We're joined by Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. One more question about media days before we get into some recruiting things for Georgia. This one's more on a a personal level, Jordan. What is your favorite part about SEC media days? This one going to be in Nashville, so uh, a little bit different than the ones that it was held in Hoover for all those years. And of course, we were in Atlanta last year. But what are you looking forward to the most and what do you enjoy the most about SEC media days? Well, I always enjoy it. It's almost like everybody's coming back from summer camp like the first day of school, not only because we get to talk to so many different players and the coaches, but for me, some of the other media people. I mean, I think about everybody in Auburn. You know, I got to be really good friends with, get a chance, especially with Auburn going the same day as Georgia. That honestly kind of surprises me, but I am uh, definitely excited to see everybody there. And uh, kind of like what we were talking about uh, when we began this call, uh, just knowing that this is kind of the signal of uh, the season's here. You know, this is sort of when you get into, all right, got to get my all-SEC team together, got to get ready for another big season. Um, I think it's just a big milestone in the off uh, in the off season where you go, okay, you know, it's closing in and it's almost here. It's definitely a very exciting time. And really uh, excited just to be in Nashville. I hope uh, when, uh, when we're not doing interviews and things like that to check out the city a little bit and, and uh, do a little bit of tourism while we're up there. When you look at media days, we know they're going to make media predictions on how the SEC will stack up this year. Is there any chance Georgia is not picked to win the East, and is Georgia picked to win the SEC in your mind? I think uh, it's a lock that Georgia will be picked to win the East. I feel pretty confident just based on what I've talked to some other reporters really around the SEC. Uh, that Georgia will be the pick to win the SEC again. Uh, I think that'll be a little bit more competitive. I do feel pretty confident they'll be picked to win the East. And to me, what really interests me is the top three. From Just based on what I've talked to some of the other folks in, at 24-7 uh, sports, you know, we have we're ready to do our own poll that we're going to roll through the season. I rank in the 14 SEC teams week to week. And it's been really fascinating. I think everybody so far, there's probably been about eight or nine of us who have got their votes in. I have picked Georgia number one, but the question has been, who is two and three? And it's been Alabama and LSU back and forth. I'd say it's been pretty split. So I expect Georgia will be projected to win the SEC. That'll be the prediction. Uh, But I'm fascinated to see who is two and who is three. Uh, I think I would put Alabama two and LSU three, but... I wouldn't be very surprised if people think there will be a rematch in the SEC title game in December and we see Georgia play LSU again. Jordan, it's been a, a very busy time here in Auburn when it comes to recruiting uh, for Hugh Freeze and this staff. What can you tell us about Georgia's recruiting with Kirby Smart as the summer rolls on and as we get closer and closer to kickoff? Yeah, it's been a very busy month of July for Georgia. They're up to 26 commits. They added four commits since the 4th of July. Three of those guys were offensive linemen, and I believe all three of them uh, were four-star offensive linemen. So they're in pretty good shape and to the point where there's not a lot of mystery and not a lot of names left on the list as far as who you should watch. I mean, at this point, uh, it's really – a linebacker, Justin Williams from Texas. He's a guy that's got a lot of interest. Um, also, Nate Frazier, a running back out in California that they're really going after hard. Uh, Chris Cole, another linebacker that uh, 
is from Virginia. He and Christopher Jones are two linebackers uh, from Virginia. That's kind of a lot of attention with Georgia. So uh, they are in really, really good shape. They've got a good stranglehold on that number one class in the 2024 cycle. Uh, you're looking at probably you know, adding maybe two or three more guys, maybe three or four, uh, depending on what happens with Marcus Reddick, who I know is a guy that Auburn fans should know about and should be really interested in. He's a Georgia commit at linebacker, but it really, really looks like he's going to wind up flipping to either Alabama or Auburn. So uh, as much as Georgia does not want to lose him, that would open up another spot. I'm expecting them to add three or four more guys, and uh, they got the benefit of time, uh, given it's still just mid-July. They're in really, really good shape with this 2024 class. With Hugh Freeze and this Auburn staff in place, entrenched and and recruiting uh, in their first full cycle, and we've seen Hugh Freeze and Kirby Smart already go head-to-head for some players. Joseph Phillips, it looked like he was going to commit to Georgia. And then over the last few days of that, before that announcement, we saw him uh, trend back to Auburn and commit to Auburn. How worried are Georgia fans about maybe it's not as easy to go head-to-head with Auburn as it has been with the previous two coaches? I think the biggest thing that it will that will take that will have to happen for Georgia fans to really be worried is for it to consistently happen. And you know, I think that that win of Joseph Phillips is a pretty significant one for Auburn. But I think it's the, the guy I just talked about, the Marcus Riddick. That is the one that to me, if Auburn lands him, that should be the sort of wake up call. Uh, for Georgia fans, when it comes to Auburn on the recruiting trail, uh, because obviously Alabama is after him hard, and um, if, if uh, Hugh Freeze and company are able to land DeMarcus Riddick and not only get him to flip from Georgia, who, as we talked about, two-time defending national champs, but to also beat the in-state power in Alabama, that should open a whole lot of eyes. So I do think that they're in pretty good shape. They've done a pretty good job early on there on the plane. That's one, though, if you do that, I think that wakes some people up about what we could see in the 2025 cycle and going forward from there. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, uh, picking him back up. We t- again took a couple of weeks off with uh, the the slower pace uh, of summer in news when it comes to uh, Georgia athletics, but picking him back up here a week before SEC media days and hoping to uh, keep him on like we did last season through football, basketball, and baseball season weekly here on On the Line. Jordan, tell everybody where they can find you, all your great coverage, and everything you got coming up with media days next week. Definitely, dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at dogs247. Yeah, really excited getting ready for media days. We'll have a lot of content out of that. I'd tell the people around Auburn that I uh, have a story on A.J. Harris, who some of them may have seen over there at Central Phoenix City. Going to have that on Friday. Excited to kind of profile him as he gets ready for his freshman year at Georgia. Uh, it's going to be nonstop from here, gentlemen, which I know you oh, guys yeah. know it as well as I do. And uh, just excited for it and ready for another big season to get here. Well, no doubt. And, Jordan, we will uh, we will find a time next week to have you on the show. We'll, we'll talk off air and figure out the best time to have you stop by the table next week on Radio Row. Yeah, that'd be great, guys. Appreciate your time, man.
That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Uh, again, if you if you listen to us throughout football and basketball season, we had him on every week talking all things Georgia athletics. Uh, we really, really enjoy talking to him. And uh, again, hopefully going to have him on next week in Nashville when we are on Radio Row at SEC Media Days and talking about what Kirby has to say, the players have to say, and uh, the predictions and picks from the media at SEC Media Days. Go check him out, dogs247.com. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up our number one here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Uh, we appreciate Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us on the phone lines. Good to get him back on the show. And again, the plan is to carry him uh, every week through football and basketball season as we did this past year. And so uh, we enjoy talking to him and hopefully you enjoy listening to him and what he has to say about all things Georgia athletics. We'll have him on the show sometime next week at SEC Media Days. Got to figure out the uh, schedule for that and see who's going to be coming on and who's going to be stopping by. But excited to talk to him next week in Nashville. Uh, Carter, we have a few minutes before the hour is up and want to talk really quickly about the winner of the Home Run Derby and the winner of the MLB All-Star Game because we made picks for the Home Run Derby. Uh, we were uh, I was wrong for sure. I can't remember. I picked Adolis Garcia. You did. Who? Yeah. Who? By the way, his pitcher was trash. <laughs> that dude's throwing low and away, and Adolis Garcia is having to go down and get it and yank it out to left. And it's like if if you give him Julio Rodriguez's uh, pitcher, would have been much more competitive. I also found out after I made my pick of Pete Alonso that his, I think it's his dad that threw for him last year that is just automatic down the middle every time Let's was not real. pitching okay, for him. Okay, it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Julio hit forty one. True, it, it may did not have not mattered. Matter the least bit, right? But at the end of it. It was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who took home the 2023 Home Run Derby title. I mean, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I Dude's guess. Dude's a stud. Um, I miss the old Home Run Derby. As this, in? This, this run of time stuff, lots of, ho- oh, lots, of, yeah. lots of home runs. It's gotten stale to me already because... We don't get to actually see and appreciate each home run because they hit it so they hit it and then they pitch the other one we so also fast. Just don't follow the rules anymore. The rule is like once it drops, right? Then you throw the next pitch. I don't know if you saw Randy o- o- Rosarena's guy. That dude is just a peaching machine, just letting <laughs> it loose every two seconds. I know they they really don't, and like the the camera will like it'll it'll go towards it right, and then it'll almost be gone, and then they have to go back to the batter because he's already yeah, about and to we swing. We don't know how far it went. We don't know like. It's just, it's not as Which good is anymore. why you should listen to it on the radio because they tell you exactly what's going on and it just sounds better anyway. Just, I, I love, I know I'm aware a little biased, but I, baseball on the radio is so much better. It's not even close. The home run derby's peak was 2008, Josh Hamilton. You reached way back for that one. 2008, yeah. Do you not remember? Oh, I know. That? I'm just saying that was also he hit 28 home runs on a 10 out home run derby. That's 15 years ago. 
Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And it was awesome. It was. It was fantastic. But it was if also 15 that, years if ago. If you do that, you can make it a much more fun event again if you do it that way now. I'm with you. I'm with you. I like like I think if you want to every so often revamp it in flip-flop formats, okay, keep it fresh, but the lack of being able to enjoy each home run is starting to not be fun for me. I'm and, with you. And Eduardo Perez like They'll hit a ball and and he'll be like, "Oh, that one's going. That's going to be his 440," and it scrapes the wall and barely gets out. How about the kid that got smoked in the outfield by like a 104 ball off the bat? Did you see that? I did see that. He got smoked. I hope he's okay, but good lord, he just he went up to catch it and I just saw. completely missed it yeah. and took one right on the face. I mean, it's like, well, oh my gosh. This Which may, brings to question... Mean, but we don't have the most athletic kids out there at all times. No, but there's also a ton of kids out there, and one of them is bound to do that and just get rocked. And so that's what happened in the Home Run Derby. Last night, the MLB All-Star Game, and for the first time in 10 years, the National League decided they wanted to win, and they did, because the American League won it nine years in a row, and the National League won 3-2 to two last night. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I mean it's it's fun to to watch the best players in the game actually get to play. Um, you have um, the the NL coming back there in the eighth inning to win. Uh, I think they I think they were the favorites if I recall. The NL feels like it has so many more it has so many more elite players, too. and it just feels like it's better right now. Yeah. Yeah. Overall in baseball, I think. I mean, just looking well, at it. you've got in the AL the American League Central that's been this anchor for years. True. Very, very true. Well, congrats to the National League for winning for the first time in a long time. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk some Auburn, we'll talk SEC, and we'll talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central. The following is an Auburn Network production. On the line, live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this beautiful July uh, 12th, 2023, as we get underway in hour number two. This is the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, we talked about Auburn baseball and the guys that got drafted, uh, the, uh, the ones who are on the roster, the high school recruits, and the transfer portal guys who were drafted, also the ones who were non-drafted and who could possibly 
probably return to Auburn baseball. So uh, lots of fun there uh, talking about uh, Auburn baseball in the draft. We also talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, got him back on the program, talking all things Georgia athletics, especially Georgia football uh, with SEC Media Days coming up next week. And so if you missed any of that from the first hour, go catch up with the podcast. You know where to find it, ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, We'll start this hour, want to look at another SEC quarterback ranking, compare it to ours, and tell you why this one on 247 is just wrong, Uh, especially about Auburn's quarterback, Peyton Thorne, if he is the starter. uh, That is the assumption right now, and he is put on this list from 247, and it's just way too low. So that's what's coming up here in hour number two. Why hasn't 247 done what they did last year, where they ranked all 131 quarterbacks in college football? It's probably coming up. It's probably coming did it up in like April of last year. Really? <laughs> How early is that? That is very early. That's crazy. That, that's like stupid early almost. Um, before we get to that, we were just talking Major League Baseball and want to talk the draft one second. Did you see who was taken by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the with their final pick just for fun? Um, they picked DJU. Good. Yep. The that Oregon State happens. quarterback. That always happens. I, frankly, I thought we didn't do that anymore because the draft is not 50 rounds anymore. It's just 20. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, that used to happen all the time. Oh, yeah. Because Russell Wilson got drafted by the Rangers. Uh, Tom Brady got drafted. I don't know who else got drafted. A, a bunch of NFL quarterbacks have been drafted. Yeah, DJ Uyungle, the uh, starting quarterback for Oregon State, was you taken know, by the you Dodgers. You know Robbie Ashford was listed as one of the draftable players from Auburn. I saw that. I saw that. He did not get drafted, but DJ, you no. did. He was drafted by the Dodgers in the 20th round with the 610th pick in the draft. He has not how played funny, organized baseball since high school. How funny would it be if he just said, Oregon State, Deuces, guys. I'm going to play. play <laughs> I'm going to play. Baseball. I'm going to play in the Dodgers farm system. See you later. <laughs> Oregon State just like standing there, left. Just it's the it's the meme where because remember their starting quarterback transferred to TCU. Mm-hmm. They're the John Tra- Travolta meme where where he walks in the room and nobody's there. Like, yep. What just happened? (laughs) Hey, you never know. Uh, Apparently his fastball in high school was clocked in at 93 miles an hour. It's pretty good. I'm surprised nobody has drafted Joe Milton because I promise you he's hit higher than that. Probably so. Uh, So I thought that was interesting. I definitely wanted to uh, make a note of that before we jump into this. Um, There was, uh, look. It's a very popular conversation right now, ranking quarterbacks for the SEC coming into 2023, uh, preseason quarterback rankings. It's Again, we did it. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting conversation the week before SEC Media Days. And this list created by 247, I just don't agree with it. It was Brad Crawford from 247, and he put Peyton Thorne I love tw- I love 12, 13, and 14. Yeah, we, he put Peyton Thorne at 11. There, which, yikes. Like I, like, I don't understand what the thought process is for putting Peyton Thorne that low. Guys played 29 games. He's taken his team to a New Year's Six Bowl. He's beaten top five teams. He's beaten playoff teams. 
What's the issue? In the article, it says, before they get to the actual rankings, it says that for these preseason SEC quarterback rankings, and again, this is the article from Brad Crawford on on 247 Sports, he said the goal is to not only grade on what these quarterbacks have proven thus far on the field, but also project where they'll fall at season's end in terms of overall numbers, effectiveness, and team success. That's the difference between what you and I did versus this list, is you and I made a list of quarterbacks coming in to the SEC in 2023, or I guess quarterbacks the rankings coming into 2023 right that's what we did do we you, did do not you have a copy of of our list somewhere just uh, so we, we can compare somewhere yeah i have it i have to look it may be in my office it may not be here in the studio um but we both had i had peyton thorne at seven i think i think i had him at seven because i had him as a top half quarterback i believe you had him at six uh peyton thorne and, I believe I did as well. And that again, that's the difference in the rankings we did was ranking the quarterbacks coming into the go. season versus uh, versus what Brad Crawford did on two four seven, where he was ranking them what they've done and what they could do by season's end. So for comparison, from twelve to fourteen, the only difference that I have from Brad Crawford is AJ Swan and Brady Cook flipped. I had Milrow at eleven, Jackson Dart at ten. He has Peyton Thorne at 11 and he has Jalen Milrow at 10 you your 10 through 14 were Brady Cook Jalen Milrow Connor Wegman AJ Swam, Graham Mertz I, I by the way it's so funny that everybody's pretty unified that Graham Mertz is like last everybody every list I've seen pretty much everywhere has Graham Mertz at Florida dead last the only person that I've seen that seems to be high on Graham Mertz is like Cole Kublik is like Graham Mertz is gonna be better than people thought but are Florida fans even excited about Graham Mertz let's just be honest I have seen the locked on Florida the locked on Gators host Brandon Olson I've seen him trying to talk himself into uh Graham Mertz but there is no part of me if I were a Florida fan that would be excited to see that dude take the first snap under center. I'm 100% with you. And and again, looking at this list, I just don't... I don't understand Peyton Thorne at 11. Because if, if really you rank these based off of what they've done already and what they could do by season's end, this tells me that Peyton Thorne from what this guy is saying on his rankings it tells me you think that Peyton Thorne is not going to adjust from Big Ten to SEC play he's not going to adjust to a new offense and a new head coach and Auburn's going to have a terrible year that's yeah, what that Auburn's, tells me Auburn's going five and seven at best six and six if he's the 11th best quarterback in the conference then yeah you are a losing team if that's the case I don't believe that's what happens but that's what this list tells me yeah no I I 100% agree with you there I think it's it's tough to see um, Peyton Thorne be undervalued to the extent that we have seen. What's interesting is the deeper you go on this list that Brad Crawford has made, the more interesting it gets. You have, I think you and uh, you aren't that far off on Jackson Dart. I'm too off on Jackson Dart. He has Jackson Dart at eight. I think that's too much respect for a guy that clearly Lane Kiffin does not feel that confident in. Mm-hmm. And also, There is this ridiculous idea out there. There was a Sports Illustrated article 
that I saw written predicting Ole Miss's football season and had them going 10 and 2. 10 and 2. 10 and 2. Whether I think the that's only loss the, is being Alabama and LSU. That's about the exact opposite of what you think is going to happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, pretty because, much. Pretty, pretty darn close. But, like, I don't know why every, everybody is overvaluing everything about Ole Miss. Because I think we are overvaluing Lane Kiffin as a coach. I think we're overvaluing Jackson Dart as a quarterback. I think we're overvaluing that defense. I think we're overvaluing the job they did in the transfer portal. I don't think... You watch them last year. People will try to tell you they were good last year. They were awful. They played a joke of a schedule. If Kentucky doesn't give them a game, yes, give them a game, then they're 6-1 and one in the first seven games, and the other six games are awfully easy, and that includes Auburn. And A&M maybe should have beaten them when they played. They weren't far off from being a 6-6 six and six team, but we talk about them like they were a hair's width away from being a 10-win team, and they really weren't. You look at this list, and again, this is a list that they composed of – what you've already seen, and where they could end up when it comes to SEC quarterbacks. And if this list is true, if K.J. Jefferson is truly the best quarterback in the SEC, Arkansas is going to have a fantastic year. They'll have a fantastic year. I mean, I don't see where they would lose many games if K.J. Jefferson is the best quarterback in the league when it comes to stats and wins and all of that. I mean... I don't think that's the case. I've already told you I think he takes a step back. Looking at this list, Devin Leary is awfully high. Yes, he I don't, is. I don't have that much of an issue with K.J. Jefferson at one. I know a lot of people have that. I, I'm leaning Jaden Daniels personally, and I, I, don't think KJ Jeff, I don't think K.J. Jefferson finishes 2023 at one or two because I think one of Devin Leary, Joe Milton, Spencer Rattler, all, the, all of those guys have the ability to – finish in the top two, I think Milton and Rattler have a potential to finish one if it all comes together. Carson Beck ahead of Will Rogers is insane to me. It's insulting. (laughs) Insane to me. Carson Beck's throwing, what, 50 passes? Deckham, Will Rogers is throwing almost 5,000 touchdowns, it feels like. And again, maybe... He's probably thrown, what... 2,000 balls in his career because he throws more than anybody in the country? And, and again, the only thing I can think of that you could legitimately put Carson back above Will Rogers is I, where Georgia ends up compared to Mississippi State. I think that there is a scenario where, by the way, Car, uh, Will Rogers has thrown 1,639 passes. Carson Beck, I'm just curious to see how many fewer he has thrown. Carson Beck has thrown 58. 1,600 passes different. What are we doing? It's a lot of passes. Yes, Carson Beck very easily could finish ahead of Will Rogers. Very easily. But everything about these rankings where we have Carson Beck so high is complete speculation. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of speculation. And I think that... 
when ranking these quarterbacks it is important and and I'm I don't want to sound like a hypocrite I have Joe Milton as the best quarterback in the SEC coming into the conference or coming into the year because I think he's uber talented well even Joe Milton's thrown the ball a heck of a lot more in his career he has a lot more experience yeah 100 percent and and that's what is important when you look at how these teams are going to fare, how these quarterbacks are going to fare, and how 2023 is going to go, you got to look at who has the experience versus uh, the the rookies, what you know, give or take, that are coming into this league. Rather it be Peyton Thorne from Auburn, who he's not a rookie in college football, but he's a rookie in the SEC. You look at Carson Beck. You look at these guys that have not played very much in the SEC. Jalen Milrow is another one. Uh, I think that it's important to look at what they've done versus the teams that they're on versus guys that have not played in this conference very, very much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jalen Milrow, I promise you, he, it wouldn't shock me if he has more than 50. He has 60 pass attempts. Ha! He has two more <laughs> pass attempts than Carson Beck does, by the way. So Hang the banner. Just putting that out there. But, I mean, all of these guys are so have so much more experience and playing time than Carson Beck. I mean, heck... Half of Carson Beck's experience, if you're looking at just snaps, is probably just handing off the football. Way, way more than that, probably 70%. Joe Milton has 300 career passes, pass attempts. He threw, for a, he threw 141 passes in 2020 at Michigan. That's almost three times what Carson Beck has in three years. It may not be SEC experience, but it's legit college football experience. It's just like... I, I, I don't understand the love affair that right now some people are having with Carson Beck. He let him prove it to you. Let him prove it to you. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I'm asking. Yep. I'm could, with you. Could he finish this season in the top five? Absolutely. Especially with what's but around. We don't, we don't know it right now. We, we don't sure know it right as, now. We sure as heck don't know that right now. And we may find out. We'll talk some more about this. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back. Shane, hold on. We'll get to you on the other side of the break. 334-321-1390. More of the Wednesday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Well, let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you all today? Doing, Doing good, right, man. Shane. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm well. Uh, a couple of things. First, uh, that, that that commercial you guys have for the Deer Expo. Yeah. Um, Couple of, a couple of years ago, I won tickets to the Deer Expo. Okay. But um, there, there, when you get there, there, there are no, there are no, there's no petting zoo. There's no like training your deer or, or, or deer rides. It's all, all dead deer. Do you guys know that? Uh, I have never been. I know that we've had the contest for a few years and we give the tickets away. I have never personally been, so I, I cannot speak on that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm with the joke, you know, but, uh, Hey, uh, yeah, it's frustrating about, about all these preseason things because I feel the same way when, um, when Alabama is always, their quarterback has always been, I mean, it turns out a lot of their times to be true, but still when they, when they don't put throw a pass and they're picked to be the favorite, uh, you know, that quarterback is better than everybody else simply because of their, their star, mm-hmm. their star beside their name. It's, it's frustrating. I don't even know. I know nothing about this Georgia quarterback, but I know he hasn't played. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't started before, has he? 
He uh, no, he is not. He's been behind Stetson his entire career. I mean, it's not even like he was he was a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school. But it's not like he was the highest rated quarterback of all time. I mean, he was two thirty four overall in the two four seven or in the two four seven rankings. Two fifty in the two four seven composite. We aren't talking about this this can't miss five star top one or two quarterback in the country. I I try to take these these rankings with a grain of salt because they're they're just meant to to do what we're what it's doing right now. We're talking about it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it held no merit. There's nothing about it other than this guy is guessing. Whoever wrote this article is guessing that this is what this is going to be, which is fun, but I wish they would say stuff like that. This is my opinion. Uh, this guy will be this because of this, mm-hmm. not just... I mean, does it give reasons why this has better than someone that has thrown, you know, 20,000 passes? Well, I mean, in this article he does. Yeah, I mean, under under every quarterback that he ranked, uh, he gave about a paragraph or so, and everybody usually does when they write on on a website, whether it's two four seven ESPN, whatever it may be. Um, you know, we have the luxury on radio of telling you why we think what we think. But yeah, he does have he has a paragraph or so about each one on here. Um, and what, what does it say about our about our guys? Uh, basically, about Peyton Thorne, it it talks about well, he may how not win the job. One. Yeah, yeah. There's still a, right. a, a quote battle, and I guess technically that's correct. Um, and talks about how you know he's coming into a new system with a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator under Phil Montgomery, and how he can it, basically will it transfer from the Big Ten to the SEC, Shane? What 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 do they say about Alabama's situation? Because that's that's very similar to what we're we're dealing with, is it not? Um. He has Jalen Milrow battle. right above another battle, yeah, right above uh, Peyton Thorne, and talks about a quarterback battle. Yeah, quarterback battle and new OC, correct? Yes, yeah, and they and they mentioned that as well. Uh, Tommy Reese in his first season. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. I I think they're, I think it's wild to see them overvalue Carson Beck, and then yeah. treat Alabama's and Auburn's quarterbacks the way that they are and have them so much farther back. It's just, you know, they're the hot team right now, so they're going to ride with that. And, I mean, they've got – I mean, it could be true. This guy could be a subpar quarterback, but he's got so much talent around him that he's going to be A.J. McCarron or, or, or somebody, you know. Like, they're not a really good quarterback, but they can throw it to the guys that need to be, you know. They throw, it, throw it 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage and somebody mm-hmm. else is going to run it around. Yeah, so. and that is definitely an advantage that uh, somebody like Carson Beck has uh, with all of the talent that's at Georgia and whoever is the starter at Alabama. Well, well alright guys. Well, I enjoy the show. Yeah, um, appreciate the call, don't, man. Don't, uh, yeah, if y'all get to that deer expo, there, there no, there's no petting zoos. <laughs> well, well noted. Man. <laughs> We'll take that in consideration. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. I have never been to the uh, World Deer Expo. We do give away tickets. You can, I, uh, you can, um, uh, you can sign up and try to win some tickets, ESPNAU.com, if you're interested. Uh, but there is no petting zoo so take that in take that in consideration. But, um, no, uh, Shane, I'm with you, man. It's just the – on this list in particular, and, and pretty much any site that you go to, you can find these quarterback rankings going on right now. Again, we did ours uh, late last week, and I got them pulled up because we uh, tweeted about it on ESPN. We did ours a little bit different, and I liked how we did it versus what like this 247 article is. And I talked about this earlier, and I want to say it again. 
our rankings, you and I, Carter, we gave our SEC quarterback rankings coming in to 2023. This is where you would rank them right now before the first ball is kicked into the air for 2023, right? What the 247 article is doing is ranking them based off of what we've seen and where they could end up based off mm-hmm. of play in 2023. I did it, we did it to where we rank them coming in and we'll do it again at the end and we'll compare, right? We That's, can do it. We can do it at midseason too. Yeah, we definitely could do it midseason. And, and because, like Shane mid-terms. said, you're, yeah, yeah, literally midterms. Because, like Shane said, a lot of these people are guessing, which is, I mean, it's still an opinion piece, but you're guessing on where they are going to end up. And sure, you could do that and make predictions, or you could do it like we did it and tell you what we think right now and tell you what we think at the end of the season and in the middle of it as well and just compare and contrast. And I think that's a lot more fun. And there's that's it's still your opinion, but it's just a lot more fun in my mind than just, I think he's going to be the eighth best quarterback. Well, that's kind of hard to do when there's no football being played. Yeah, no, I I think that that's totally fair. I think I just think it's I think it's really ambitious to to have some of these guys ranked where they are, especially when like when when I look at Jackson Dart, Lane Kiffin kind of told on himself on ter- in terms of what he thought about Jackson Dart when he yeah. went and got five quarterbacks this offseason. Cuz legitimately, if you go look at their roster, They've got two or three freshman quarterbacks. They brought in Walker Howard, Spencer Sanders, and just picked up the should-be sophomore in high school <laughs> who's going to be there in the fall. Like, Which is still insane. They Their, their quarterback room is bursting at the seams. Frankly, I, I, I don't think all those guys are on scholarship. I think they somehow talked some three-star quarterbacks into coming in as preferred walk-ons because... You can't spend seven, eight scholarships on the quarterback room because you need those scholarships elsewhere. Yeah, and uh, I'm with you. I think Ole Miss, their quarterback situation is not good. And you look at this list, there's so many battles on this list, like actual quarterback battles, right? Alabama is one of those. I do think it'll end up being Jalen Milrow, but you went and got, if you're Alabama, you went and got... Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame and more times than not when you go and get a power five transfer quarterback the expectation is for him to start because the realization was you didn't have anybody on the roster that you trusted Mm -hmm. and that's what it seemed like to be for Alabama and now all of a sudden word out of Tuscaloosa from what we've heard and what we've talked to people about is that it could be Jalen Milrow. And and yet it's it's kind it's the it's a worse version of the Ole Miss quarterback room in terms of like Yeah. You went out and brought in a guy that you a Ole Miss brought in two, thinking one of them would beat out the incumbent starter. At Alabama you went and got one guy because it was so bad in the spring, and now one of those guys from the spring apparently is gonna win. Peyton Thorne will have a better year than any starter Alabama puts out there this year. I'm confident to say that. I think as a quarterback. I think think he'll be a better quarterback. The numbers may be similar because of just the way that Alabama is going to operate as a team. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to win more games. And when you win more games, your quarterback probably has better stats than he 
would in other scenarios. Yeah, which is fair, but I think Peyton Thorne will mean more to Auburn than any starting quarterback Alabama will mean to their program. Yes. So we can talk about that coming up with Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Don't turn away. We'll talk to him when we come back. Jacob Goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Let's get to the phone lines for our usual Wednesday 3.30 guest. It's Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Austin, hope you're doing well. Uh, Surely you are preparing for what should be a busy week next week for SEC Media Days. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I kind of tell this to people all the time, but uh, just I just remember growing up, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way, you know, that, that, you know, middle of July rolls around, you turn your TV on and you start seeing Nick Saban and uh, these other guys and the athletes and they come up to the podium. And it, it, unlike, you know, spring football, it kind of really gives you that sense of, okay, we're about to be there. We're about to get this thing fired up and football season's going to be right around the corner. Yeah, and I'll give you one better. When uh, SEC Media Days was in Hoover for all those years, uh, when I was coming down to Alabama for the summers, I would go as a fan to SEC Media Days and, and be yeah, on and be on that side of the ropes and go and just you know want to see the different coaches and the players and the media personalities. And it was always uh, always a, a dream for me to be able to go to SEC Media Days. Got to go to my first one last year as a media on the other side of the rope. So really really cool, and it's always a really fun time at SEC Media Days in Austin. That's where we will start our conversation. Nick Saban, Alabama, uh, will be there, obviously, uh, on their typical day there. It'll be in Nashville this year, which will be interesting. But what are you expecting to hear from Nick Saban and the players when they take the podium in Nashville at SEC Media Days next week? Well, you know what the questions are going to be, right? Um, I, I think there's there's no, uh, there, there's no stranger. They're going to be a lot of quarterback questions, right? It's going to be because mm-hmm. it's outside media that maybe haven't had a chance to reach out to Saban and the people about, hey, how's it coming in the quarterback room? You know, how are the guys looking? And honestly, I mean, we we haven't had an opportunity to talk to anybody within the football program in the last, you know, since eight day either. So um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they kind of say, what they lead on, what they don't. Obviously, I mean, if you're anybody in competitive sports, you know that nobody's going to tell you too much uh, just to kind of keep it a surprise, especially because. You got Texas in week two that you don't want to lead on too much. And, um, you know, the, the questions are going to be asked. How much answers are we going to get? I don't know. Uh, but I think it's, it's obviously a strategic not to bring any quarterbacks to the event itself. Um, they did bring, they will be bringing JC Latham, who's going to be an outside tackle this year. Um, so I'm sure he'll get plenty of questions about how's it been, you know, watching these quarterbacks, getting to block for these quarterbacks. What, who does what well, who does what not so well. Um, and so, yeah, it, not just Alabama, there's going to be a lot of interesting questions around the conference and, um, you know, it, it, we're, we're getting really close to those. With that quarterback battle, it seems to be that maybe Jalen Milrow is the, the, the guy who has the most buzz around him. Is that surprising to you considering uh, Alabama and Tommy Reese went out and brought in Tyler Buckner, who Tommy Reese coached at, at Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, I think the experience is a big thing. Um, obviously, Milrow was Bryce Young's backup the last two years, um, and you know he got to he's gotten to be in the system. He's gotten to see a lot of football, and he's gotten to play in not just you know the games where Bryce Young will come out in the third quarter, but 
also made that start against Texas A&M last year when Bryce Young was hurt with the shoulder injury. So um, he's got a little bit of game experience. I think that gives him the edge. Obviously, Tyler Buckner's got game experience as well. He played and started a few games for the Fighting Irish last year. Um, but Ty Simpson's another guy you got to keep your eye on. I mean, he's really talented, one of the top quarterbacks out of high school a couple years ago out of Martin, Tennessee. Um, his dad's a football coach over at UT Martin. And so and three good football minds, I think. I think, obviously, you've got good um, – you've got – Good options, right? You got Milrow, who's going to do both with his feet and his arm. You got Simpson, who's been around a football coach his whole life, and his father. You got Buckner, who just came over from Notre Dame, and he got to see some different things there. So um, I think it's a good problem to have. You know, not necessarily the best problem, just because you're kind of probably wishing that you had maybe picked up a different. I mean, remember when Jake May was in the conversations early on? Yeah. Um, obviously, decided to stay at North Carolina, but you kind of feel like you maybe missed out. Obviously, Van Dyke from Miami, maybe you're going to get him and. He decides to stay, too. So we've talked about the quarterback thing for the, for the most of the time I've been on here the last few months, and it's just I don't think we're going to know too much until, you know, the pads start popping and there's plays and, you know, real football is going on and it's not just against your own team when um, you're not expected to take hits and do this and that in practice. So I think Middle Tennessee State's obviously not going to be a huge challenge. I think, like you said, I think Jalen Morrow will probably start that game uh, week one, but I don't necessarily think that that means he starts week two. We saw – Back in 2015, actually, um, Jake Coker did the starting job um, in, in game one against Wisconsin. And then, you know, Ole Miss comes to Tuscaloosa, I believe it was either week two or three, and they went with Cooper Bateman, who was the back of at the time, to start that football game because they weren't really sure yet. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry kind of carried that team that year, but Jake Coker ended up grabbing the spot back um, after Bateman didn't really perform well in a game that, you know, Q Freeze and Ole Miss actually won in Tuscaloosa that year. So, um, I think that Texas game is going to be the big one, and it's big for a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest thing that's going to come out of that game is I think we're going to find out who the starting quarterback down the stretch is going to be. Well, there's no doubt that the quarterback conversation will be uh, one of the focal points for Nick Saban and the players at SEC Media Days next week. Austin, when you look at the three gentlemen that will be with Nick Saban representing Alabama, with representation being such a big factor in SEC Media Days, are you pleased with the three guys that'll be there? And do you think that they will be a good representation for Alabama in front of the media? Yeah, I think it was a good pick. Um, I think these three guys are probably, you know, you got JC Latham, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Dallas Turner. I think they're probably coming into this season, the three most recognizable players on this football team. I think JC Latham is going to be a first round pick next year. I think Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to be a first round pick. And I think Dallas Turner could be, you know, if he goes out there and has a great season at edge rusher and kind of fills the shoes that Will Anderson left behind. Um, so, yeah, I think they're good picks. I think there, you could have gone a bunch of different ways. There was a deep receiver room with some guys with some experience in there. But um, I think I'm not surprised that they went with two guys on defense just because that's kind of probably the, the side of the ball that Alabama was most confident in right now. With, with two new coordinators coming into uh, this Alabama program, which side of the ball – do you feel more comfortable with right now? I mean, is it Kevin Steele because he's been there before? Yeah, yeah, I think it is defense, and I think it is Kevin Steele. I think they've got him and Saban have a relationship that they've kind of formed over the years, and um, you know, obviously he's he's technically new again, right? Because he hasn't coached these players, and um, but he's been around in Tuscaloosa, he's done this before, and he's had some success in the past at Alabama. So. Um, and not just Kevin Steele. I mean, I, I respect and I think Tommy Reese is going to do a great job on offense this year and trying to get those guys um, more into a pro-style offense, which over the past few years, I mean, Alabama's kind of turned into a spread team. If you remember ever back into when Jalen Hurts started and rolled into Tua and then 
Mack threw the ball over the field when they had Devontae Smith and, of course, Bryce Young. So they have the deep running back room this year, and I think they're going to really want to take advantage of that and, and use the guys that they have and uh, use this big offensive line. And, and, yeah, I think the defense has got – you know, you lose Will Anderson, right? But I think all the talent they're bringing back is going to really pay off. And, you know, I think the secondary is going to be good. I think Malachi Moore getting back into that starting role is going to be big. Obviously, I think a lot of people respect Kool-Aid McKinstry as one of the best cornerbacks in the country. Um, and then, like like I already talked about, Dallas Turner, we've seen him do this for two years already, you know, opposite side of Will Anderson. And now he kind of gets to be the, the main rusher um, and play that side linebacker spot in the 3-4 defense. So, um, Alabama's defense is going to be good. You know, obviously, what does that mean in this age of college football? Um, does it mean that they're going to give up three points a game, five points a game? No. Uh, I, I think that's kind of old news, unless we're talking about Georgia. I think that's kind of hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you give up 17, 18 points a game, that's a great season. And, you know, that's the funny thing about last year is, you know, fans complain about, oh, the defense isn't that good this year and all that. It's like, well, they're actually like top 10 in the country in scoring defense, and they're not even allowing 20 points a game. But, you know, SEC football fans think that, you know, they think back to their old times watching football. If you give up 20 points, that's a bad day, right? But uh, in 2023, not so much. Right, yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't 2007, 2008, where you can hold a team to seven points and you score 15 and you win the football game. This is where uh, offenses in the SEC, if you don't average 30 points a game, you're you're a bad offense, Austin. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, uh, that, that's just kind of how it is now. It's not it's not the NFL and it's not old school SEC football. This is up tempo, throw the ball around. Uh, you got dynamic playmakers and. Um, it's exciting. You know, some people find it exciting. You know, the old school people might think that they want to see a couple more punts, but uh, I don't think anybody's complaining that, you know, we got a little bit more of an exciting football game on the field each Saturday. With uh, with recruiting when it comes to Alabama football, we know that uh, Auburn and Alabama have been going head-to-head for uh, some big names across the state of Alabama. There's some that have been decided, some that are still yet to uh, make that decision, whether it be Auburn, Alabama, or elsewhere. Uh, what can you tell us about Alabama football recruiting as we are in the uh, middle of July? Yeah, they had a pretty good week this last week. Um, my, my coworker, Joe Gaither, is kind of all things recruiting for Bama Central. They, they battled some guys. And, I mean, we know what Nick Saban is, right? I mean, we know that he's one of the better recruiters in the country, if not ever, in the college, in the sport of college football. So um, I, I don't think it's anything new these days, but they're racking up a pretty good class, right? I mean, you got Julian Sayan, I mean, who's, I believe, on three, just pushed him uh, to the number one quarterback in the country for the class of 24. Um, they got a 2026 offensive lineman out of the state of Georgia this week, which that was their, I think that was their first commit. Um, Nike Hilton, I want to say his name was, uh, out of Carrollton, uh, 2026. I mean, this is, this is in the future, right? I mean, Nick Saban wasted no time trying to, trying to get guys that here down the road. And, uh, obviously it's not just United States, right? Nick Saban's pushing his prowess out to the Europe now. He goes out and got a German linebacker. Um, I think he was a four star Justin Oak. See, these names get difficult because I, I don't know how to say them yet because we haven't been <laughs> but brought onto the Alabama football roster. Uh, Justin Okoronkwo, uh, I believe, was a four-star linebacker out of Germany. Uh, so he's going to be 2024. So it's just it, – it, it is what it is. You know, three recruits, I believe it was in one day um, after the dead period ended. We're kind of getting rolling again with recruiting, and, and not many people do it better than next David. Would uh, Alabama fans panic at all if – if Auburn were to flip Perry Thompson here, um, 
in the, in that head-to-head battle that seems to be heating up as we approach this fall? Uh, you know, maybe. I mean, Foley's a, a, a high school where Alabama's had a great, great, um, you know, they've, they've gone out there and gotten players. Obviously, Julio Jones was a wide receiver from Foley. Um, it is going to be interesting because Marcus Davis and Auburn's been really recruiting him hard. Um, he is a five-star now, and he's going to be – he's got that Julio Jones build kind of, too. I mean, I think he's 6'3", 200, um, and he's coming out next year. And Alabama right now, he's committed, right? And so, I don't know. I think it's interesting. We Remember the big one last year was Tony Mitchell, um, mm-hmm. obviously, who has had a little bit of off-the-field problems since he's been in Tuscaloosa, but he was kind of the big recruit that Auburn thought they were going to pull in out of Thompson, and you know, on signing day, he ends up choosing Alabama. So – it's it's Hugh Freeze is going to get his he's going to get his name in there and he's going to start you know stealing probably some of these in-state recruits just because he's been really good at that I mean we we look back to Ole Miss he was able to get a lot of talent there and had success there um he was able to even get some pretty high-profile talent out there to Liberty and um you think of Malik Willis who started at Auburn and then he pulled him over to Liberty he makes the NFL he started a few games for the Titans last year and um, now Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC with the Tigers, and I'm sure you guys are just as excited as a lot of Auburn fans are. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. couple of things before we let you get out of here. You've seen uh, some Alabama basketball players get their name out there in the NBA Summer League. Also just saw some Alabama baseball players get drafted uh, just a couple of days ago in the MLB draft. Anything from either one of those that sticks out to you? Yeah, not too much. I mean, obviously, Brandon Miller um, was the big name to watch this this summer league. Uh, you know, now that Victor Wimbanyama has been shut down, Scoot Henderson dealing with some stuff. Um, he's kind of been the, the the big premier name in summer league, and he really showed up. Uh, I believe is the other night scored almost thirty points. Um, I think everybody was pretty much tuned into the Spurs Hornets game um, about there in Las Vegas for the first game for the two of them, and it looked like Victor was struggling, and then Brandon was struggling, and the whole thing about all this is summer league. When you really look back at it, it doesn't matter. Um, it's it's not going to go one way or another. Nobody needs to overreact, overreact to Brandon Miller scoring two, nor do they need to overreact to him scoring thirty. It, it's not going to really make a difference in his professional career. I don't believe. I think the talent's there, um, and once he gets you know fully into the training program this off season, fully gets into everything that you know an NBA team does, it's going to be just fine. He's going to go out there and he's going to put up points. He's, I mean. The NBA's not – he's probably going to be playing a lot of tougher defense on a Saturday in the SEC than he will be next year in the NBA. So, um, <laughs> you're, probably, you're probably not wrong about that, Austin, unfortunately. Especially when you're playing for a team like the Hornets. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of low-profile games. They're still a team that's kind of rebuilding their franchise. Um, and they don't play a lot of defense and they score a lot of points. So with that, it's going to, come, it's going to look like he's having a great year because the numbers are there. But um, I, I think he'll agree with – you know, most athletes out there that they want to win basketball games, and I'm sure that's what he's going to try to do. When you look at this Alabama basketball team for next year with the talent that they've lost, how confident are you in Nate Oates being able to have this this roster bounce back and still perform at the high level that he's had them the last few years? Well, he's just, I mean, he's just been so good at develop, not just developing talent, but when he loses it, kind of refilling the roster for the next year. I mean, it, it, you look at it, we talked about Javon Quinley the other week and losing him and how that might be a huge thing. And of course, losing Betty Yako, and then he goes out and just replaces those guys with guards and big men that can easily play at this level. So 
Uh, we've talked about Grant Nelson and, and, you know, my colleague Blake Byler put a story up today on Sam Walters, who's kind of a similar to Brandon Miller. I don't, I don't think he's nowhere near, obviously, the talent, but a long guy that can play the guard position, shoot the ball, um, rebound the basketball. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because we're going to go through football season and then, you know, basketball starts rolling around. It's going to be a good basketball team. Um, and I think I've said it on this, this program before that, there's no reason to think that they're going to be as good as they were last year. I mean, being the number one overall team in the NCAA tournament is, you know, that's that's about as high as it gets as, in terms of success. So fans shouldn't be expecting that. But you know how Alabama fans are. Um, we've seen oh, yeah. this over the last 17 years in football. Once you reach that point of success, you start expecting it all the time, right? And like last year, when the football team goes 11-2 and two and wins the Sugar Bowl, it's considered a bad year, right? For for most programs, that that would have been a sensational season. I mean, biggest Kansas State had won that game. They won the Big Twelve. They beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, that would have been the best season they've had in you know a hundred years. So it, you all you kind of just have to take everything year by year. Um, I think obviously as fans, and I'm fans of professional sports, and um, you know you expect you always have expectations, but I, I don't think any Alabama basketball fans should be expecting this team to come out and you know beat SEC teams by fifty and be the number one overall seed and win the SEC double every year. I mean, that's just not attainable, especially in a, a sport with as much parity as college basketball. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us every Wednesday at 3.30 here on On the Line. Austin, are you going to be in Nashville next week? I am. I'm going to be there all, all week long. I'll be there from, I believe it's Monday to Thursday. Um, so, yeah, Alabama, Alabama's on Wednesday, but I don't know if you guys knew that. I'm, I'm actually originally from Nashville. So, oh, okay. I didn't uh, know that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up there this weekend and uh, spend some time with my parents and uh, – yeah, it'll be it'll be all all things go on Monday morning out in out in downtown Nashville. Yeah, you better believe it. Well, we will be there on Radio Row. We'll have to find a time for you uh, to one, stop by. One of us will will be. Our there. show will be, be there. there. Our show, our station will <laughs> be there. I so just we'll, don't want Austin to have the expectation that he's going to meet me and I'm not there. You don't want him to. You don't want him to be disappointed. I yeah, understand. Exactly. I understand. Well, Austin, well, we will we'll find a time. You guys let huh? me know. You guys let me know. We'll, we'll do a little something over there. Yeah, yeah. We'll have you stop by. We'll, we'll have your segment sometime next week in Nashville. So be safe traveling up there, and we'll uh, I'll see you next week. Amazing. Sounds good, guys. See ya. Yep, that's Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Joins us every Wednesday on the show. We'll talk to him next week in Nashville at SEC Media Days, and we will come back, wrap it up on the other side here on ESPN 106.7. ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, got a couple of minutes here before we get out of here. This is on the line on ESPN 106.7. Of course, the drive coming up with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck from 4 to 6, so be sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, If you missed any of today's show, be sure to go catch up with the podcast espnau.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast we talk some auburn baseball as um, numerous players got drafted in the mlb draft we also uh, have talked to jordan hill of dogs 247 and then austin hannon of bama central we will have both of them on at sec media days next week so excited to talk to them after uh, their respective schools talk to the media uh, so again if you missed any of our t- of our conversations be sure to go and catch up with the podcast uh, whenever you'd like but 
Uh, some good conversations today and uh, when Austin was talking about what we could hear from Nick Saban in Alabama next week you better believe it's going to be about the quarterback situation and Nick Saban is going to answer the exact same question that's rephrased 50 different times all day long on Wednesday oh yeah well I mean it's because you've got so many rooms where there's different people that there there will, will be people who won't hear it the first 45 times Yo, they'll hear it. They'll just find a different way to say it. <laughs> they'll be like, so is there a quarterback battle? And then the other person's going to say, so would you consider it a, a battle that you have on the quarterback room right now? And, and Austin actually said something that's interesting because Bama's taken an offensive line, an offensive lineman, and Austin brought up a really good point in how media can ask this a different way. They'll talk to him a little bit on which quarterback do you prefer to – block for yeah I mean which one which one have you seen take the most strides throughout the spring and summer and which one have you seen throw the football the best like I promise you they will find ways to get information on the Alabama quarterback situation they will not find out who the starter is but that will be the focal point of Alabama day on Wednesday if you close your eyes and imagine blocking <laughs> on and a hypothetical iron bowl who is your quarterback <laughs> <laughs> who do you want to protect the most <laughs> well that that that'll be the conversation no doubt next week at sec media days again big thank you to jordan hill of dogs 247 austin hannon of bama central go check both of them out they do fantastic work but we are out of time come back tomorrow two to four right here on espn 1067 until then stay safe i'll talk to you later